0: Good morning, and a joyful Advent season to each of you. We have one more message this morning that I want to share with you from the letter of Ephesians. Would you turn there with me to Ephesians chapter 6? One more message, and really in many ways, the pinnacle of this series on spiritual warfare. And while you're turning there, I just want to highlight a few things for you from the bulletin. In the schedule, the church schedule, church calendar there on the back, you'll notice discipleship and prayer meeting on Wednesday evenings as as usual. We'll continue that. And also wanted to encourage you to keep coming to that prayer meeting. We had a really good turnout this past Wednesday night. Just wanted to encourage you, keep fighting in prayer in the strength that God provides, and I hope that the message today, for Ephesians six, will be helpful to encourage you to that end also. And then uh, I'm assuming that today there won't be growth group and lunch afterwards, who would normally. But the ones who are leading it aren't here with us today due to the weather, and others probably that we're going to attend haven't been able to because of that. So we'll we'll just wait till next week or or the third week of December to uh, pick up then with that again. Also, notice December fifteenth. There is the Christmas fellowship Wednesday, um, six thirty here, and then we have the co- cookie contest as well. And in your in your bulletin, um, several things there today. Of course, the bullet the uh, announcement for that, and also the the rules for the cookie contest. If you want to be a part of that and join in that good time as well. Looking forward to spending just a few moments of fellowship together on that Wednesday night. We'll do some singing and reading of the Christmas story together and just a simple time of Christian fellowship together. Would you please stand with me one more time? And this morning we will read through our text before we finish this. And then this this Advent season, we'll look at some things about the incarnation of Jesus Christ and His humanity. Ephesians 6, 10-20, please read this with me together this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and have put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Our Father, gratefully we come to this text this morning to speak again about the war that is in heavenly places and we are so grateful again to look and to see all of the equipment that you have given to us spiritually though none the less real and powerful father i pray that you would clear our minds from distractions and anxieties and burdens and afflictions. And help us to see that what is spiritual is not less real than what is physical and no less powerful. I pray that You would help us to see by the grace of the Spirit of God illumining us that the, the commands and the commitments of Your Word to us here are not light or irrelevant to our lives. Help us to see that You can and You will by Your grace give grace and strength to all Your children to pursue these things, to be obedient to them, to submit our hearts to them, to, to seek them. Father, forgive us, and we know that we are forgiven in Christ, but we confess that we fall so short of being the prayerful people that You've called us to be, and those people that are praying toward the proclamation of Your Word and the overcoming of the evil one. Father, we confess that even as we pray, we are so consumed with merely earthly things And we pray that even as we speak of earthly things in prayer, that we would pray about their spiritual relevance to us and to your glory. We pray that you would teach us these things as your church, so that by your grace we may become more effective in the mission that you have called us to in this community and more progressive in our likeness to Jesus Christ in whose precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. The main theme of this section that we've been working through is, be strong in the Lord. And put on God's armor, so that you may be able to stand in the war, the spiritual war that the Apostle Paul describes is the Christian life. And we see these commands played out throughout this text. We see in verse 10, be strong in the Lord. We see put on the whole armor of God in verse 11. Then again in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. We see in verse 14 when the armor is being displayed in these verses, we see stand. Stand having fastened on the truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, and then here, take up the shield of faith, take the helmet of salvation. These are the central commands of this text and they form a clear theme to help us to see that we are to fight the good fight of the faith, to resist the evil one, to Resist temptation, to stand in the grace that God has given to us to, to fight from victory to victory that we would not be given over to the schemes right, of the evil one. We see that listed there in the text, the end of verse 11, the schemes of the devil. And we've asked the question then, how do we do that? We've looked at what it means to embrace the ability for the war, which is found in our position in Christ, and through that position, we're given strength. You have to realize, dear ones, that you might not necessarily perceive this inflow of from the Holy Spirit like you would in drinking a cold cup of water and it's going into your body or something. But realize that God has promised to us the supernatural resurrection power of Christ in this particular fight, in this text. And the Spirit of God will supply it to you. And you are to depend upon that daily. It's not something you can see. It's not something you go to the bank and draw out of the ATM machine. God gives it to you spiritually through His Spirit. There is power for you in Christ. Secondly, we've looked at the necessity of envisioning the adversary in the war. The Apostle Paul describes for us something of the devil and the demonic army that is working against God's people. And he does that not to frighten us, but to enable us to be alert and watchful, prepared for what is coming to us. And then, thirdly, we've looked at what it means to employ the armor for the war, the belt of truth, the blessed breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. As you think through those, I want to ask you this. Please don't raise your hand, just think about this in your own mind as you've been going throughout your life these last few weeks, have these pieces of armor begun to come to your mind? I have to confess, not that I'm trying to necessarily intentionally, but through the exposure of this text over the last few weeks, there has been certain things that will happen to me from day to day, and to my mind is coming these texts. I hope that's happening to you. I hope you're in this text and that is starting to begin to happen where I am tempted to, to despair, or to discouragement, or to doubt, and yet and all of a sudden I'm remembering by the Spirit of God, wait, I have the shield of faith. I am called to trust God in this very moment like a child trusts their father. That's what God calls us to. That is the shield of faith and God gives us strength to persevere through His equipment. So we have this armor. Number four this morning, and we'll this is our final point, and we'll look through this together. Number four, engage in the activity of the war. So, Okay, I've got the strength. I know the power is ready for me, and I'm standing in God's grace. I know a little bit more about my adversary. I have this armor, now what do I do? What do I do? And I think that's where Paul goes as he concludes this section in verses 18-20. through 20. I believe that prayer is the most practical way to spiritually wrestle against the evil one for yourself and for others. Prayer. It is how you ask for and receive or enjoy Christ's supernatural strength for the fight. Verse 10, right? Stand in the strength that God provides. Well, how do you enjoy that? You ask for it in prayer. I believe it is the main way to appropriate the armor. You have the armor. But I must appropriate it and exercise it. Prayer is one of the most practical ways to exercise the whole armor of God. Well, so how do you know that? Well, I think that is exactly what Paul is saying in the transition between the previous verses and verse 18. Notice the text. Paul has been saying here, Stand, having fastened on the belt and the breastplate and, and, and the shoes, right? And he goes through and he lists his armor and, he, and he's telling you these commands. Stand, take up, take, verse 17, take, praying, take, praying. So praying, what do we call that? If you're a grammar scholar, that's a participle, right? It's an, it's an accompanying activity. I take up the shield. I take up the sword. I take up the helmet. Doing what? I do that while I'm praying. You see the connection? That's why these words are inspired. They tell us how this all fits together. I, I take up I, while I am praying, as I am praying, by praying. When Satan attacks you, take up each piece of your armor in prayer. And what's beautiful as we'll see this is, is you don't have to be anywhere in particular or be doing anything in particular in order to pray. Isn't that a wonderful thing about prayer? You can always talk with the King. Prepare yourself for spiritual conflict by strapping on the armor and when the enemy approaches, use your armor through prayer. Remember God's truth in prayer. There's your belt. Rest in Christ's righteousness through prayer. Rehearse the gospel of peace in prayer. Reach for childlike trust through prayer. Refocus on the salvation that is coming through prayer. Recall the specific, fitting, powerful words of God in prayer. And this text is accurately depicted in the song that I've been reciting to you from time to time. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Now remember the next phrases: Put on the Gospel armor. What? Each piece put on with prayer. That's how it goes. That's, that's right. That is accurate with this text. Where duty calls are danger, be never wanting there. Prayer is talking to your Heavenly Father about everything including the attack of the evil one that is upon you or a brother or sister in Christ, right at that moment. Prayer is one of the Holy Spirit's means of taking the Scripture and then changing you by it. The Holy Spirit takes the words of God that you've read and studied and meditated upon, and through prayer, He presses those truths down into your mind and heart and character and in so doing, what does the Holy Spirit accomplish? He destroys the strongholds of destap- deception and sin in your mind and light. And He's, in there, he's dismantling those things and, 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 and getting rid of the lies and putting His thoughts and Christ-like ap- actions into place instead. And he's, and he's bringing you into the captivity of Christ. Every thought captive to Christ. That, that happens through prayer. That's spiritual warfare right there. And being captive to the truth and to Christ, you are overcoming the world. You are overcoming the evil one. Prayer is central to successful spiritual conflict. So I want to encourage you as we hit this final point this morning take up your armor by praying, while praying, dear ones. We are so quick to dispatch. Our own human efforts at things, aren't we? That is our first response. So often, something comes up. And immediately, we rush into human effort. Some expression of our own sense of wisdom and and thought. We, we wrestle against those spiritual issues and struggles, and instead, we must learn to come to our King in prayer. Take up your armor, praying. Jesus, when He was on this earth, did spiritual battle in prayer and He taught us to do the same. you remember? John 17, verse 15. Remember what Jesus prayed? He says, I do not ask That you take them out of the world, but what? And you keep them from the evil one. That's that's spiritual war right there. When when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, He taught them how to do spiritual warfare. Matthew 6.13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In the garden of Gethsemane Jesus asked his disciples to watch and pray so that they might not enter into temptation pray did you just catch that There's so much to think about in that in that prayer pray disciples so that you may not enter into temptation and he prayed in agony overcoming the temptation to avoid the cross the humanity of Christ did not want To take on the guilt of sin and experience the Father's wrath. But then what did He do? He prayed and accepted it through prayer. And said, not my will, but yours be done. That's spiritual warfare. There's only two times that that we have recorded in the Gospels that angels came and ministered to Jesus. You remember those two times? One of them was following his temptation in the wilderness, right when he was he was tempted by by Satan, and the second time was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was tempted to avoid the cross. That's spiritual warfare. Why would we ever ignore the attacks of the evil one, or somehow try to overpower the evil one with our own puny thoughts and words when we have? the access as children of god to run into the throne room of our heavenly father and our father king will dispatch a troop of angels as he sees fitting with the power of his word to fight for us just as he did for daniel and many others in scripture well how do you how do you know that well, that's what god does well look in scripture daniel chapter 10 10 through 12 daniel Daniel accounts here, he says, And behold, a hand touched me, and he set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling, and he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, and humbled yourself before your god your words have been heard and i have come because of your words that's something who's daniel he's a man just like us but yet god sent him what he needed through prayer hebrews 1:14 are they all not ministering spirits referring to the angels sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? How often do you hear the words of God to His precious chosen people? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Or, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Or, cease striving and know that I am God. You don't argue with the devil or his demons when you're being attacked you go before the throne of grace and talk to the king. Why would we ever stand there as a single person trying to do something about this host of darkness when we just have to go to the king? And he has all spiritual forces under his control. The Apostle Paul makes a massive emphasis on prayer for spiritual warfare. Even in this text. Notice. Praying appears four times. Right, praying with all prayer. It was there four times. Maybe I'm missing. Anyway, supplication. There's more. There's there's more hidden in, in the original text. But there, Paul refer. Oh yeah, there it is again. There it is. Four times the word for prayer. Words for prayer. It's, and even the word all, he says four times. All prayer. Praying at all times. All perseverance. All the saints. This is just a sweeping call to prayer. And of course, Paul models prayer for us. Ephesians 1, 15-23. There's these large sections of Paul's very own prayers in this letter. Ephesians 1, 15-23. Ephesians 3, 14-21. And so we must receive this message and command and act upon it. The evil one does not want you or any of God's people to be praying. Not because our prayers are inherently powerful. We have to to kind of switch our thinking on that as well. Often we throw around that phrase, don't underestimate the power of prayer. It's not prayer that is inherently powerful. But it's God who ordains His people's prayers as a means of accomplishing His will. He is the one who is infinitely powerful. And God has chosen to dispatch His power through the prayers of His people. That is what Scripture shows us. And so God's power is inexhaustible. It's irresistible. And God has chosen prayer as that means to channel His power and accomplish His will in the earth. So, let me ask you a question. Again, this is all by way of introduction here. How does the evil one tempt you to leave off praying? What is it? Do you know? Is it an incorrect view of God's sovereignty in prayer? Sometimes we say, well, because God is sovereign, everything He He plans is going to be done, so it doesn't seem like prayer is really necessary or important or effective. That. Is a lie. We have to understand that, yes, God is sovereign for all things, but He has ordained prayer. The prayers of His people as part of the means of unfolding His redemptive work in the world. That's real. We need to be a part of that and get in on that by God's grace. Other incorrect view. Uh, maybe it's an incorrect view of human responsibility. You say, well, I pray. It just feels like another religious thing to do. I'm just going through motions. We must not let that feeling of going through motions rob us from being obedient to the Word of God and trusting Him to supply us with the grace we need to do what He's called us to do. Maybe it's an incorrect view of prayer itself. Maybe you say something like, well, it seems like prayer is a spiritual gift to to prayer warriors. I, I don't I don't know how to spend hours and hours on my knees all through the night and deprive myself of food and water and sleep. That's, that's not what the Bible talks about is prayer. Prayer isn't a spiritual gift. It's something God calls all people that are His people to do. Maybe it's a lack of discipline. Maybe you say, I, I, don't, I don't have enough time to pray as I ought. Each one of us will always make time to do what is most important to us. That's the way it is all the time. Distractions. I have so much that I need to do or that that I would rather do. I I feel so weak and sick. I can't seem to pray. Again, prayer is the most important thing that God has called us. it It is the most difficult spiritual discipline. I admit that. But considering what it is, no wonder. God will strengthen us to do His will. Maybe you say, I I have sin in my heart. I can't pray. Whenever I come before the Lord in prayer, I feel guilty. Well, that's where we need to go when we have sin in our heart. Isn't that what His Word says? If we confess our sin, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have The only reason we can pray is not because we are good, but because we are in Christ. So deal with the sin through the gospel and come to the Lord in prayer. Maybe it's a lack of desire. I don't enjoy praying or a lack of ability. I don't pray very well. It's the Spirit of God that enables you for these things. So it does require faith to begin. And Paul has written the truth about prayer in this text. And by God's grace, I believe it will help us to overcome some of these obstacles to prayer and help us to grow more and more into a praying people of God who are waiting on Him, waiting on God to unleash His power for gospel advancement. Prayer is a Christian responsibility and a command from our King. We must pray in the spiritual battle. It's part of the fight. So what kind of prayer does Paul call us to engage in for spiritual battle? Number one, letter A, all prayer. With all prayer and supplication, it actually comes first in the order of the original language. So I'm going to go ahead and put it first there. With all prayer, all prayer, all kinds of prayer. Every kind of scriptural prayer has an important part to play in the spiritual battle. Prayer in general is talking to God, our Heavenly Father, but prayer can take on several aspects. And we see those specific aspects of prayer Throughout Scripture, for example, the Psalms. You look at the Psalms, there's all kinds of prayer going on there. contains nearly every kind of prayer. One text that encapsulates several different kinds of prayer is Philippians 4.6. Rejoice, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, request. There's different kinds going on there. I have a list of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. There's praise. You praise God for something. You tell him, you're great, God. I adore you. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) Lament. There's a prayer we we sometimes pray, but don't realize necessarily that we're praying it. Tell God, I'm suffering. There's confession. I've sinned. There's asking. Please grant me this. There's begging. God, I beg you. We, We know the difference between just asking God and desperation there's intercession you're praying for someone else God work for their good and there's blessing may the Lord bless you and keep you All right so we have praise adoration thanksgiving lament confession asking begging intercession blessing if you can come up with more in the scriptures let me know but there's so many different kinds. It's, it's not my intention to, to list out all the kinds of prayer, but to tell you there, there's many different ways of praying, and all are important, and all are included, and all are welcome. It's not a specific posture that we're called to in prayer. You can pray walking. You can pray running. You can pray laying down on your back. You can pray anyway. And each one of these kinds of prayers does play a part in spiritual warfare. When we praise the Lord, it helps us to have a perspective of who is great in the universe. When we adore our Father and we tell Him we love Him, it's an expression of our devotion and commitment to Him in this fight. When we tell Him we're thankful, it's, it's an expression of helping us to remember the past. Gratitude for the past. And that gives us faith for the future, knowing that God who gave us great blessings in the past will continue to help us in the days to come. When we lament, it's, it's, it's an expression of trust. You're pouring out your heart before God, casting your cares on Him. Rather than being overwhelmed and crushed by them, you're giving them to God. That's an important part of spiritual warfare. When you confess your sin, you're coming to God and you're affirming that you are needy That you need his righteousness. There's the shield of faith or the the breastplate of righteousness right there. That you need his cleansing. That you need the gospel. These are all expressions of faith. So, Paul is teaching us that all kinds of prayer must be engaged in for spiritual warfare. Each kind of prayer has an important part to play in overcoming the evil one. Exercise prayer in these ways, and you'll see what God has planned. Secondly, this morning, Paul talks about continual prayer, not just all kinds of prayer. And by the way, this word supplication that you see here is that word for begging God, begging God to work. But then there's continual prayer. He says praying at all times in the Spirit, at all times. Continual prayer. What does it mean to pray at all times? Well, First and foremost, it's to be so aware of your Father's presence that you talk to Him about everything in any and every situation, but especially, according to this context, in each and every critical event of spiritual conflict at all times. At every occasion. Our Father invites us to pray wherever we are, whatever we are doing, whatever physical posture we have taken, whatever the situation is at hand, talk with Him. Talk with Him in each and every moment of spiritual conflict with all kinds of prayer. This is what we call unceasing prayer, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean you're praying and doing nothing else. It means you're praying continually on every occasion. Every occasion of life is an opportunity for prayer. Too often when we're in a season of pleasantness, we get wrapped up in the enjoyment of God's gifts that we neglect talking with the giver. That's when we can pray and give Him thanks. Too often when we're in a season of relentless trials, we just don't feel like praying anymore. Maybe we say something like David says, my eyes are weary from watching and waiting. My voice is dried up from asking. Even then, we must pray. Paul says we're to be praying at all times, and also he says in the Spirit. Did you see that? In the Spirit. What does that mean? How do we pray in the Spirit? Well, it means to pray in the power and according to the will of the Holy Spirit. A key text for us here is Romans 8.26-27. Romans 8.26-27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God." Notice in that text, in the first phrase, verse 26, He helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit strengthens us when we're weak. That's part of it. He strengthens us to pray. He enables us for prayer. That's why there is no reason that we shouldn't come to the Lord in prayer in a spiritual conflict. The Spirit of God will strengthen us. But then also, it says the Holy Spirit prays in our behalf according to the will of God. So even when we don't know what to pray, He is praying according to our need and according to the will of God, the mind of God. So if we're praying in the Spirit, it would follow that we are praying by His strength, with the boldness or freedom He grants to the children of God, with understanding of His will and His word, with holy desires for His will and His word, and and asking for His will to be done. And very often the best way to pray is simply to take up the sword of the Spirit and pray it. To Pray the Word of God to Him. That's how we are to pray at all times. Especially when we're fighting to withstand the attack of the evil one. One commentator writes, The sword of the Spirit is, on the one hand, God's spoken word to put His enemies to flight. And on the other hand, the believer's utterance to God in prayer. Did you hear that? Yes, you put the the enemy to fight, but the very same activity is your utterance to God in prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit to aid in the struggle against evil powers. It is the believer's cry to God on the occasion of assault. That is good. That's right. You take the Word of God and you pray it to your Father. That's praying in the Spirit. You have the sword of the Spirit and you pray the words and will of the Holy Spirit, your Heavenly Father. And the Spirit of God will strengthen you in that prayer. Thirdly, all prayer and continual prayer must be invigorated by, number three, watchful prayer. Look at what he says. We're praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. To that end, keep alert. Stay alert. I want you to so so clearly see if the Lord will enable us the connection between watchfulness and prayer. Ever sat down and really meditated on what Jesus meant by watch and pray? Watch and pray. Put those together as well. And Paul does here, to that end, keep alert. Stay alert to the attacks of the evil one and be quick to speak with the king. Stay alert to the attacks of the evil one, and be quick to speak. Stay awake. Keep watch. Be on guard. Be vigilant. Be attentive to what is going on spiritually in your heart and in your life. Are you aware of what is going on spiritually in your heart and in your life? Don't be rocked to sleep by the distractions of this busy earthly existence. This specific word, keep alert, is used in the New Testament with reference to being ready for the return of Christ, actually. For example, Mark 13.33, Mark writes, Be on guard, Jesus speaking, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Or Luke 21.36, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. with." Notice the things that, that Luke mentions here, Jesus speaking would weigh a person's heart down and pull them away from being watchful or keeping alert. Being weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake, there's our word, at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before The Son of Man. There's this really clear connection, even this text, between staying awake and praying. You see, the evil one would love to rock us to sleep and distract us through either pleasure or pain. Have you noticed how those two things can distract you from spiritual disciplines and being aware of what is going on in your life and around you according to the kingdom of God and and the work that God is doing? We can just fall asleep to it all through pleasures of this world even good gifts that God gives us we just get so wrapped up in these things that we're just oblivious to what the Lord is doing and what the evil one is doing in this world or pain trials can be some so sort of cares Luke writes Jesus speaks that we just don't see him working his many schemes. We don't see what the evil one is doing in our hearts, in our lives, and in, in the people around us. What, what, what he's working to halt us from what God has called us to be and do as his church. So we're called in this text, through prayer, to truly keep alert to what's going on in your own life. Have an awareness of it. What, what are your spiritual vulnerabilities? What's going on in your family, in your spouse, in your children? are Are you keeping alert to what is going on in the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Notice what God is doing in and through the events of our lives that He ordains for us. Notice where the evil one will take occasion to tempt us. Are we aware of those things? Are we awake to them? Wake up. And keep taking it all to the Lord in prayer daily, seeking that He would be honored, that His reign would be known and enjoyed, and that He would, and His will would be done. Let me give you an illustration of this. Jesus, again, on the night of His arrest, this kind of watchfulness is seen in His life. The texts are Matthew 26.41. Excuse me. Mark 14.38. Christ knew. Here, here's the point. Christ was watchful, right? Christ knew that as the events of His betrayal and suffering and death were unfolding, He knew what His disciples would be tempted to do, right? He knew they would be tempted to fear, to doubt, to unbelief, to scatter, to deny, to even betray Him. He knew all that. And so what did he tell them? Watch and pray. Jesus even predicted some of those things that would happen, right? He told them exactly what they were going to do. He told them, watch and pray. Jesus was awake to what is going on. He knew his disciples and he knew the enemy's schemes. So he told them, watch and pray. And what did they do? They slept. But even in their prayerlessness, I want you to remember this, this will, this will encourage you, even in their prayerlessness, did Jesus stop praying? Did Jesus fall asleep? No. He prayed for them. Even in Peter's denials, He prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. And it and it ultimately did not. And Jesus prays for us. Hebrews 7.25, He ever lives to make intercession for us. That's why He can save us to the uttermost even when we're prayerless, yes. But, our King commands us here as He did His first disciples to be keeping alert for prayer. You will not have the content of prayer that you need unless you are watchful as to what is going on in your heart and what is going on in the people of God around you and your family in the world. And you're saying, God, what are you doing? What is your will? Where are the schemes of the evil one? I need to bring these to my Father in prayer. And and, and Paul intensifies this as he moves beyond watchful prayer to persevering prayer. He says to that end, to the end of prayer in the Spirit, he says keep alert. Keep alert so that you can pray as you ought to that end. And do that with all faith perseverance. Keep on watching. This is is an intense thing, isn't it? It really is. This is is the life of a Christian in spiritual battle. Watchful. And there's no changing of the guard here. Right? The changing of the guard comes when we are taken home to be with Christ. Keep on watching, he says and keep on praying. This word for perseverance means to persist obstinately with intense effort to be devoted to something. God has ordained that prayer and watchfulness and perseverance can work together. They can help each other. Prayer, watchfulness, and perseverance. Think of it this way. The discipline of prayer keeps you watchful. Why? Because... Disciplined prayer demands the spiritual intelligence that watchfulness brings. If you have a disciplined prayer life, it will force you to be watchful of what's going on around you because there's those people that you love and you want to pray for and you're looking in your own heart and you want to honor the Lord with your life so then you begin to watch and see the things that you need to bring before the king. Disciplined prayer keeps you watchful but then also... Watchfulness keeps you in prayer. Because when you are truly aware, when you begin to truly see the spiritual needs around you, they demand to be taken before the throne of grace. Because you can't do what these needs demand. But God can. And both are to be maintained with perseverance. And perseverance will be the result of vibrant spiritual engagement and watchfulness and prayer. You have to keep taking the issues that you see to the king. Something must be done. You can't do it, but he can. Persevering prayer is a threefold chord: Watchfulness, prayer, perseverance. That's what Paul gives us here. All prayer. Keep alert. All perseverance. Romans 12.12, 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Prayerfulness and watchfulness react with each other, precipitating perseverance in both. And this is all strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Perseverance in prayer, listen, is active faith. This is a point, important point you need to remember. Persevering prayer is faith that is waiting on God alone to act. Why do I bring this up? Because I don't want you to be discouraged from persevering prayer in feeling like it's pagan prayer. Okay, what do you mean? Alright, Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 7-8 through 8, not to pray with pagan prayer. Well, what's pagan prayer? Heaping up repetitious and empty phrases for as long as it takes to get what I want. That's pagan prayer, right? I'm just going to say the same thing over and over again. Hopefully God will hear me at some point and do what I want Him to do. That's pagan. That's that's the same as bowing before an idol. Hoping to be heard because of my many words. Hopefully there'll be enough words coming from my mouth that'll stack up in God's ears and He'll get annoyed and do something about it. Right? That's That's pagan prayer. Try not to make, try to make your God hear so that He'll be moved. No, that's that's not that's pagan prayer. That is not persevering prayer. When you are praying the same things for a long time, that's different than pagan prayer. Jesus taught us about persevering prayer in Luke eleven and Luke eighteen. Remember those stories? I'm not going to tell them to you. Just remember them, just very briefly. The man who needed some food to give to his guest, and he went to his friend and pounded on the door until that friend got up and gave him what he needed. Or in Luke 18, the widow who needed justice about an issue and went before the judge and kept going and kept going until the judge gave her what she needed. Now be careful with that. Jesus is not teaching that God is disinterested or obstinate or stubborn and, and, and slow to give us what is good. No, the point of those stories is this. First, we are weak and unable to give ourselves what we need in this life. But God is powerful and able. That's the heart of persevering prayer. God is the one alone who can have the power and ability to do what I need And give me what is good. Also, those stories indicate to us that God is a good and generous Father who knows all we need before we even know what we need. And certainly before we ask for it. And He loves to give what is good to His children. And He loves to act for their good in His glory quickly. Luke 18 says that, and I love that. God looks at the faithful praying of His people and He loves to give them what they need quickly, especially when they exercise faith toward Him. And persevering prayer is recognizing all of that. It's realizing our great and desperate need in a specific situation and recurring in prayer to the only source of life and good like a beggar until He chooses to answer our prayer in the way that He sees as good. If, if there's only one place to get bread, then you're gonna to go to that one place to get bread until you get some bread, right? That's what persevering prayer is. God, You are the only one who can do this. And Your Word says You want this done. It's Your moral revealed will for people and for me to live this way, or whatever your prayer is, God, you are the only one who can do this. I come to you, and I will come to you continually until you do your good will. You see, we too often give up praying long before God has ordained to act in our behalf. We don't want to wait on His time. And as a result, we miss on seeing the glory of God displayed and bringing glory to God in prayer and praise. You see, this is one of the blessings of of having an active prayer and praise list as a church. Because you get get to take everything to God in prayer with perseverance. And then you get, if you're not going to persevere in prayer with perseverance, (laughs) then you'll miss seeing God actually work in his time. You sort of forget about it. You get to take everything to God in prayer with perseverance. You get to see God work in glory. And you get to praise Him for what He does. If no one keeps asking, then no one notices when God works and no one praises God for His work. Persevering prayer is so important. Dear ones, let us persevere in watchful prayer until God acts according to His will. How many of you have been praying for unbelieving loved ones? You don't have to raise your hand. For years? for decades, right? But how many of you have actually seen some of those believing loved ones come to the Lord 20, 30, 40 years after praying? Yes, yes, we have. We've seen that. And as we pray with all prayer, continual prayer and watchful prayer, persevering prayer, we're to pray in these ways for one another. Letter E, intercessory prayer. He says here, making supplication for all the saints. Making supplication for all the saints. We need to be praying for other believers. Generally, specifically, we need to be praying for the body of Christ. Paul was constantly praying for the body of Christ, for the churches that he planted and influenced. We need to pray for sinning Christians, James 5. We need to pray for sick Christians, James 5. We need to pray for suffering Christians, Hebrews 13.3. We need to pray for leading Christians, James those who are leading in government and the church, Paul often asked the church to pray for them, the church leaders. Individual Christians, we need to be praying by name, by need, physically, spiritually. It's all part of God's work in our lives. Pray for one another as you're in spiritual conflict with the evil one, as you see Satan attacking and one and with one of his schemes. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Listen to this. Paul is a, is a quote from a commentator. Paul demonstrates that individual saints involved in warfare compose an entire army that collectively battle against the enemy. Thus, in this spiritual battle, there should be mutual concern for one another demonstrated by prayer for each other. I think this concern praying for one another in the light of spiritual conflict as Paul puts this text together this concern will shape what and how we pray for one another if we remember that this the end of this text verses 18 to 20 is is on the end. It's, it's not separate from spiritual warfare. It will shape how and what we pray for. We won't just pray for bad lungs and sore backs. We will also pray as we pray for bad lungs and sore backs, we'll pray for spiritual strength and seek to discern where the evil man might try to attack our brothers and sisters in Christ through those human situations. Do you see? We're not just praying for the physical dimension. We know that God is at work in those physical needs and the evil one is at work in those physical needs. We'll see that then. We'll seek to discern how God may work to advance the gospel through the earthly struggles and setbacks. And we'll pray for the gospel to advance through those earthly setbacks. These kinds of concerns will be on our church prayer list and even taken into prayer by each one of us daily and continually. So I want to ask you, are you praying this way? With all prayer? Continual prayer? Watchful prayer? Persevering prayer? Intercessory prayer? If not, I want to encourage you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you must, by the grace of God, be obedient to this command. And begin realizing that you are living in a spiritual warfare and the primary way of fighting with these pieces of armor is in prayer for one another and for yourself. Paul, Paul's final point this morning, letter F, strategic prayer. So we pray at all times, with all prayer, keeping alert with perseverance, for one another. And then Paul asks them to pray specifically for one saint himself. And also for me. And also for me. And he asks them to pray about his particular situation in which he has realized a spiritual conflict that he struggles with. This is Paul letting us in a little bit on the struggles of his heart, and he's asking the church to pray for him about it. Just think of those three words, and for me, or for, and also for me. Just those words reveal an important part of spiritual conflict. Praying for one another, for one saint, by name, by need, and also asking other saints to pray for you, According to your needs, Paul needed God to work in power through the prayers of the church in his life. You and I need the same, don't we? Are you too proud and private to ask for people to pray for you according to your spiritual conflicts? Paul wasn't, he was an apostle. Are you too selfish and distracted to pray for the other saints by name and by need with perseverance? dear ones, listen. By the grace of God, specific strategic prayer is an essential component to spiritual warfare. It's commanded from our King. We must follow through with this. Again, it's not about the power of our praying. It's about God's power that he has ordained to channel through the prayers of his people. That's God's decision. And so Paul says, he gives his prayer request, he says that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul wants words. Words. Words as I open my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. See, Paul was called by God. This is is how Paul explains his specific need in spiritual conflict here. He was called by God to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel. Ephesians three six tells us that the mystery specifically and especially assigned to Paul by God was the truth that Gentiles and Jews were fellow heirs. Members of the same body. Partakers of the promise in Christ. That was a new thing. Both Jews... And Gentile believers in Christ are now one in this new body called what? The church. And to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel is a sacred task requiring divine power. The Apostle Paul was going to Gentile people who'd never heard any of this before. And he was unveiling for them the mysteries of the gospel. And so Paul asks the church, please. Pray for me. Pray for me that when I open my mouth, words may come to me. That I may be given words that God would enable me to speak the mystery of the gospel clearly, accurately, according to the word of God. And Paul asks for the same need to be met in Colossians 4, 3 and 4. He says at at the same time, pray for us that, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, here's where we come to Paul's conflict here, the need. That mystery of the Gospel that Paul was called to preach, along with the rest of the Gospel message that Paul proclaimed, got him into a lot of trouble with the Jews particularly, right? And that's why Paul goes on to ask, I need words, and I need... Boldness, as I proclaim the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. What an interesting phrase. You've got to catch this because it really builds up and shows us Paul's conflict. It was for proclaiming the mystery of the gospel that Paul was imprisoned. Right? That's what he's talking about. He's in prison. He's in chains. And, and that's such an ironic thing because Paul was an ambassador for Christ. And yet he was imprisoned. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making God making his appeal through us, so we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, an ambassador, well, you know what an ambassador is? It was a delegate sent by, in Paul's day, a king, to speak in behalf of that king, and that ambassador would have the authority of the king, and therefore the ambassador had this, the freedom to speak with authority to proclaim in the place of the king. And Paul? Paul was an ambassador for Christ, the king of the universe. King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet, where does he find himself? In prison. Could you imagine? He was called an apostle, called an ambassador, was given the freedom... To speak the gospel, and he's in prison. Like, I thought I was the ambassador for Christ. What am I doing in prison? And he was in chains, and that circumstance became a temptation for him to fear. How do I know that? What does he ask for? Boldness. He was struggling; didn't have it. I need boldness. Temptation for fear instead of speaking boldly with authority. Why? Because he was coming out of prison to speak in front of kings and people of earth. Therefore, Paul asks the church, pray for me that I that that as I would speak, I would be able to do so boldly, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He says it twice there. Boldly. Boldly. I need I need that that authority, that confidence that gives me a freedom to speak as a as an ambassador for Christ, proclaiming the mysteries of the gospel. Paul's desire was to speak freely and fearlessly, and yet, because of the hostile response, the evil one tempted Paul to fear. And he confesses it in 1 Corinthians 2 3. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Think about that. He was a human being, right? And he's getting up there in front of the speaker of the Colossians and he's or the Corinthians and he, and he said, I was trembling. I don't think of Paul that way, do you? But yet he asks for that boldness. Paul needed the power of God to speak freely and fearlessly, so he asked the church to pray for him. He needed to see that this earthly setback of imprisonment was actually a spiritual advancement of the gospel. And he says that, Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, imprisonment, has really served. To advance the gospel. Philippians 1 12. So, whether to a fellow prisoner or a soldier or to Nero himself, Paul could speak the mystery of the gospel boldly through the power of Christ. That's what he asked the church in Ephesus to pray about. And it appears that the Lord answered their prayer because Paul wrote in his final letter before his martyrdom, 2, 2 Timothy 2 8 and 9, he says, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached with my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But then remember his last phrase? But the word of God is not bound. And so he continued to proclaim. God gave him that boldness. So here's the point. You get the picture of Paul there in verse 19 and 20. Here's the point. We as members of Christ's church are called and created by God for good works. Yes, Ephesians 2, 8-10. But the evil one will work hard and fight to tempt us through many schemes to fail to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called, just like he did the Apostle Paul. We need to recognize and be alert to these situations of spiritual attack in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to pray about them. And ask others to pray about them. So what's your specific area of vulnerability to spiritual attack? Is it fear like Paul? Is it a specific temptation to sin? What is it? What have you noticed as an area of spiritual vulnerability in one of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you been praying about it? And very specifically, we need to be in prayer that each one of us will live and speak in such a way that the gospel of Jesus Christ is clearly and accurately and boldly proclaimed just like Paul asks for specifically. That's where all this goes, right? That's why we're here. Satan does not want us to be a faithful, gospel-preaching, disciple-making church. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you going home and teaching your family the Gospel. He doesn't want you going to work and sitting beside your co-workers and praying daily, God, who have you called me to disciple? He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you reaching out. He wants you to be so tripped up with so many things in this life and so many things of pleasure or pain that you never get to those most important things. That's why we must pray. Because then like Paul Through the Spirit of God, we'll be given boldness and clarity and freedom and ability to proclaim the Gospel. So let's pray for one another and ask for others to pray for us that we may, like Paul, proclaim the Gospel boldly and clearly and accurately. As I close this morning, I'll say two things. First, just to remind you, You're a child of God. You are in the spiritual war. Christ has won this war. You fight from victory to victory, but you prove that you're in the war and in the winning army by putting on the whole armor of God. By praying and standing against the schemes of the evil one in the strength that God supplies. And remember, this battle cannot be fought and won by human tactics or strength. It is fought and won by divine weapons and divine strength. And these are ours in Christ. This is such good news for us. We possess the weapons. We possess the access for prayer. We own, by God's grace, He has given to us the divine strength and the victory through our union with the risen and ascended Christ Glorious to remember Ephesians 1. This is our call to put on the armor and pray. And all of this, again, done by God's power and God's glory. Remember Ephesians 3, 20 and 21? Don't, don't dismiss these other verses from the context. Think of what we've all just talked about in the last six weeks and remember it with in light of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work in us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is the outcome of this spiritual war. You see, may the Lord enable us for this. Be strong in the Lord and put on God's armor that you may be able to stand in the war. And secondly, for those of you that are not yet children of God, are you a child of God? If you're not in Christ, listen, you're not fighting in the Lord's army with His armor. You don't have it. You're not in Christ if you're not a child of God. And the Bible tells you that you are still dead in your sins. And the Bible also says, that we, as we've talked about in the last weeks, that Satan has power over your life. 1 John 5, 18-20. But I wanted to remind you of even something else this morning that is far more horrific. You need to know, You're a child of God is in, is in a war with the evil one, but those who are not children of God are in a different war. Well, what war is that? Your war, if you are not a child of God, is not between you and the evil one. It's between you and God. And God is a far greater foe than Satan. God is at war with you if you are not in Christ. You need to think about that. Say, so well, God would never... Yes, listen, Psalm 7, you look it up. Jot the verse down, look it up. Psalm 7, 12-13, that... Psalm talks about God taking His bow and His arrow and pulling it back and pointing it at the one who loves their sin and will not repent of wickedness. What a horrible scene. Romans 5.10 says we are at enmity with God. Why? Because you're saying yes to your sin, yes to your self-righteousness, and no to the Word of God, and no to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't stay in that position. You say, well, I don't think that's the way it is with God. You don't think that's the way it is with God in your sin? Well, listen to this. If you don't think that's the way it is, then you need to look at the cross of Christ. Look at the cross. If you say that God is not that upset about my sin, just look at the cross. Because the cross shows you what God did to His own Son. Why? Because our sin was laid on him. That's how angry God is at our sin. That's the war of God against sin, is what happened to Christ on the cross. And, and the worst of the cross, you can't even see with your eyes as you read the Bible. The worst of it is what happened to Christ in heavenly places, as it were, when God poured out his eternal wrath upon his Son. For our sin. And so if you refuse to receive God's gift of salvation through what He did to His Son on the cross. the sufficient atonement for your sin. Then God will be at war with you for your sin. And, and, and the terrifying part is that is that war does not end. It's a war that lasts forever. Because God does not cease to be holy. So, I urge you this morning if you have up to this point continued in your sin or continued trusting your self righteousness, run to Jesus Christ. Because he was perfectly, is perfectly righteous. And he can give you that righteousness. And his cross was sufficient to take all of the war of God against sin and absorb it. So that when We trust in Christ. We can be at peace with God. And you'll be safe. And the war that you experience against the evil one will come to an end. And you will know the joy of everlasting life. Come to Christ. Don't wait another day. May God be glorified, even today, in your salvation. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for giving to us these texts of Scripture. And I pray that You would teach us to see what we don't usually see. We lift our eyes from what is seen to the unseen. And that that would motivate us to stand the strength of Christ and to put on the armor. To exercise the armor through prayer. Father, please make us into a praying people that we would be prayerful together and even individually in our homes. That we wouldn't pray haphazardly, carelessly, but we would pray specifically and strategically and perseveringly, and according to the Spirit, in the strength that you provide. And Father, we know that it isn't our prayers, but your strength channeled through our prayers, because that's the way you have ordained it. And Father, we rest in Christ in all of it, because the only reason our prayers are ordained by you to be effective is because Christ is praying. For us and because our prayers are heard through him our perfectly righteous and atoning mediator and he is the only mediator that can cause our prayers to be heard I pray father that you would save this morning as well that you would save the one who hears this appeal to the gospel we are ambassadors for Christ be Reconcile to God. Father, reconcile self-righteous sinners just like us, just like we were to God and change us and bring glory to your name in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.